Okay, open up your Bible right now to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start reading in a moment at verse 17. Now, in this story, in this the story that I'm about to read is not necessarily a true story. Jesus was using it as an illustration, an example. And I want to talk to you today about orphans, slaves, and sons. Orphans, slaves, and sons. Now, in this story, this is a story, a lot of people call it the story of the prodigal son. This is the guy that was probably 15 to 20 years old, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but somewhere between 15 and 20. He's a young man that lived with a dad who was uh, fairly influential. His dad had some money. His dad owned a ranch, a farm, and they had money. And this young man was real restless. He didn't, I don't think he really liked living there with his dad and his parents. He didn't, he, the mom is not mentioned in this story, so it seems like that this is a single dad, a, a, maybe a, a dad who had lost his wife. So we don't hear anything about the mom here. This is a story about a son and his father. And so the, the son walks in one day and, and basically what he says to his dad is this, dad, I know that when you die, I'm going to get a, a large sum of money. But you look really healthy and it doesn't look like you're going to die anytime soon. So can I have my inheritance right now? Now imagine you going to your parents who have worked hard all their lives. They have some money and you know that, you know, hopefully when your parents uh, pass away that you're going to get this inheritance. But uh, imagine how uh, horrible and how mean and, and, and ugly it is to go to your parents and say, you're not dying soon enough. And I kind of need the money now. Would you give me the money now because you're, you're way too healthy and I can't wait for you to die. I don't want you to die, but it's, it seems like it's a long way away. So the dad gives him the money. He's a good dad. He loves his son. So the, the dad gives him the money and the son immediately packs up what he has and he leaves. And, and then Jesus, as he's telling the story, says that the son spent all of his money, wasted all of his money on wild living and, and, and by the way, he had lots of friends as long as he had money. And when the money runs out, all of his friends leave. And, and so he ends up in a pig pen. Now here's a, a young Jewish boy in a, a very unkosher world, working in a pig pen. And it says that there was a great famine in the land. There was no food around. And so he finds himself in this pig pen feeding pigs and eating what the pigs are not eating. Now pigs eat everything. So whatever they're not eating is what he's eating. And he's, he, he's about to starve to death. He's within two to four weeks of starving to death. And then let's pick it up in verse 17. And I love this opening part. It says, when he came to his senses. You know, it's amazing how hard life has to get for some people before they realize God's good. That they turn their heart toward God. I'm, I'm a pastor, so I, I meet with broken people almost every day. And it's amazing to me how bad... Life has to get for some people before they turn to God. And here's this guy, it had to get pretty bad for this young guy. Let me just tell you something up front. I don't want life to get bad for you before you find God. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to wait until your life is a wreck. Until you've broken up in your marriage and your kids are away from you. And you don't have to live like, you don't have to find yourself in some drug rehab somewhere trying to get dry before you find God. You can find God today and the life... After God is much better than the life before God. And so this young man finds this out. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, 
I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and went to his dad, his father. And while he was still a long way off. I want you to underline that if you have a Bible and a pen. I want you to mark that out right there because this is huge to the story today. While he was still a long way off. Now, he was walking back to his dad, but he was a long way from home. Now, if you've ever been to Israel or, or, or maybe if you've been to West Texas, you know that, you know, when they, when a convict escapes prison, they can still see him three days later because you can see forever. By the way, any of my Hereford tribe here today, where are they? Way back in the back. Yeah. There's my Hereford tribe. Yeah. I used to pastor in Hereford. And so uh, this, they're from the church where I used to pastor years and years ago. And uh, in Hereford, you can see, you can see like 500 miles. And so while the, while the son's a long way off, the dad sees him. Here comes the son. All right, let's keep reading. And he said, uh, and he was filled with compassion for him. So the father sees the son, the scoundrel son. He said he was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, I don't know if you have a dad like that, but I grew up with a dad who was a hugger and a kisser. My dad, one of the memories I have, my dad passed away about four and a half years ago from cancer. But one of the memories that I have of my dad, even at the end of his life, when he was 63, 64 years old, when I came home, he would always grab me and kiss me, a big old wet slurpy one right there, pow. And so he would put his arms around me. And one of the things I miss the most about my dad are those big hugs and kisses that my dad would give me. When I saw him. And so when I read this story, because I had a dad like that, I can imagine myself being hugged and kissed. Now, a lot of us don't grow up with dads like that. A lot of us have dads that are distant or maybe not affectionate or they don't share their feelings. They don't talk. They don't, they don't, they're not uh, intimate with us. But I grew up with a dad that was very intimate and, and uh, he was a man's man. He taught me to hunt and fish and there was nothing feminine about him. He was a man's man, but he loved to hug and kiss and he enjoyed him finding me and Give me those hugs. And so when I read this, I get this. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And it almost is like the dad totally ignores that. The dad makes no comment to him. Doesn't get into any argument with him. He doesn't agree with him either. He doesn't really agree or disagree. He says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and barbecue it. That's mine from Texas. That's what we do there. We don't barbecue it. And I did not appreciate the young man that said, you know, when I got out of high school, I had to get away from Texas. Come on. I don't mind coming to Colorado. That's for sure. Colorado is an upgrade. You know, this is where Adam and Eve, this is where God created Adam and Eve. And when they were thrown out of the garden, they had to go to Texas. That's what happened. But Texas is not a bad second. Just what I'm trying to say. Don't get offended. All right, keep reading. He said, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. Now, okay, I'm going to write down two questions. These are two huge questions that I'm about to ask you. Two big questions. Here's question number one that all of you must answer. All of us must answer this question. What's really true about God? You need to think about, this is a big question I'm about to ask, and I'm going to help you answer it today. Write this question down. What is really true? What do I think is really true about God? And here's the second question. What do I think is really true about me? What is really true about God? Is he mean? Is he angry all the time? 
Is he difficult to find? Or is he a dad? Is he loving? Is he easy to find? Easy to worship? Easy to obey? What's true about me? What's really true about who I am? Am I... Am I an orphan, a slave, or am I really a son and daughter? Starfield, and there's songs, he kept saying this over and over again today. Sons and daughters, sons and daughters, live like sons and daughters. It's almost like he had heard from the same God I'd heard from. It's amazing how God can do that. But this is the question we need to answer today. What's true about God? And you see, this young man, when, when he decided he was going to go back to his dad's house, what was the question? What, was, what did he think was true about his dad? He thought that his dad was going to be angry difficult and make him like a slave. He thought that when he got back to the house, that the best thing he could hope for was to simply be an employee, a slave, a hired worker. That maybe if he did enough good works along the way, if he could maybe spend five or six years doing lots of good stuff around the ranch, that maybe he might even get to be a favored slave. But the son never thought that he would ever be called son again. And he said, Dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And see, my desire for you this weekend, and all of us had this same desire, is that you discover something true about yourself, that you discover something true about God, so that you can live this life that we're describing, this life that's full of grace, full of freedom, full of power. Not not a life of slavery. A slave and an orphan have not discovered what it means to live a life of real freedom and real power and real grace. Not fine when I talk to people that most people at New Life and most people that I've met are, see themselves as either orphans, slaves, or sons. It's our desire, desperation, not just to put on a big event for you and get you excited about an event. Our desire that we go a little deeper today. That this weekend you go to some deep things. That you ask yourself some deep questions. And you're old enough now to begin to ask yourselves these big questions. These difficult ideas. Even now some of you are beginning to wrestle with who is God. What's true about God. And for sure at this time in your life you're wrestling with the idea of who am I? What did God make me to do? What's unique about me? Is there anything special about me? Or am I just a nameless, faceless person in the crowd let me ask you a question do you know if you're an orphan slave or a son let me tell you about orphans here's what an orphan is an orphan is somebody who doesn't really feel like they ever belong an orphan is somebody who walks through life without any meaning they don't they don't know where they're going they don't know who they are orphans feel like that i never really belong And you may be here today, and you may like this, you may enjoy the experience, but in your heart, you're wrestling with the idea, do I really belong to this tribe? I don't feel like that I'm unique enough, I don't think I'm godly enough, I don't think I'm, I don't think these people are really going to ever accept me. If they ever saw the real person that I am, they would reject me. That's what orphans think. Orphans are always convinced that they're never going to be accepted, that they have to do something pretty radical in order to get even recognized. But if, if, if the real you is ever exposed, if you ever stopped posing and ever showed someone who you really are, they would reject you immediately. This is a lie of the enemy that, that is, is pretty common among people. Really common among older people and is really common among your group. 
They don't know who they are. And most orphans have never really understood what it means to be fathered, to have a dad. That they, they've never, maybe you're, you're dad, you're distant. Maybe you're living with your mom and your dad lives somewhere else. Maybe you haven't seen or talked to your dad in a long time. And so you grow up not knowing who you are inside. And see, one of the things that dads do, dads have a God-given ability to help people discover their identity. Dads have the ability to look inside a young man and a young woman and say, this is who you are. That's what dads do. And so if you've grown up without a good dad, most likely you're going to grow up not really knowing who you are, what you're called to do, what are your unique giftings, what are you, what's unique about you. See, dads, moms can do this to some degree, but it was the, the call of dads to call people out to their destiny. My little guy, Abram, he, uh, he's not going to ever be an NBA player. He's never going to play professional sports. He's tiny. He's going to be about five, six when he grows up. He's not going to play in the NBA. He, he's not. He, but this guy, uh, his, his birth father is a nuclear physicist. And again, he's adopted. So he's super intelligent. And it's very obvious to most people that he's not my biological son. <laughs> we get around him. Here's this little guy that's really smart, really brilliant. He has an engineering mind. He's, I mean, you throw, I threw a pile of Legos on the table and he makes these things that are real complicated. And I, I look at it and go, how'd you do that? I, I could have never even thought that. He just creates these engineering things. See, I've discovered something about Abram. Now I'm, I'm his dad. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to call MBA out of him. He, that's not who he is. I'm going to call that huge engineering mind out of him. He's going, to, he's going to invent something one day that's going to change the world. He's an inventor. He's a creator. He's a, he's a guy that understands math. He loves math and science. And when he goes to science class, the teacher says his eyes get that big. He's just fascinated by the world of science. And I, I can't even spell science. I don't want to go to science. And, and, and he does. He loves it. You see, I've got to, I've got to see with a dad's eyes, who is Abram? And I call it out of him. I don't want Abram walking around when he's 20 or 30 years old trying to figure out, who am I? See, this is what's wrong with the church. And I want to talk to youth pastors just for a minute. Listen to me. I want all the youth pastors to listen very closely to what I'm saying. We don't need any more hype. We don't need any more shows. We don't need any more excitement. What we need most right now are dads. Look them in the eye. Look your group in the eye. Call them out. Call the destiny of God out of your group. Spend your time fathering your group, loving your group, being a dad to your group. You want to explode your group? You want to multiply the number of kids coming to your group meetings, your gatherings? Be a dad. Call it out of them. Discover what is hidden inside of all the kids that God's entrusted you with. Look them in the eyes with the eyes of God and call out of them the greatness. See, most of us, most of us sitting in this room this morning believe that there's something great hidden inside of us. All of you do. All of you, even to some degree, you think that there's something great locked up inside of you. But you know what? Most of us won't ever admit it. We need somebody to see it in us and pull it out of us. We need somebody to identify it, to agree with us and to pull the greatness out of us. That's what dads do. And if you're an orphan today, 
If you're walking around right now, you came to desperation, not really knowing who you are, not really feeling like I belong, not knowing where I'm going. I don't know how I'm wired. I don't know. I want someone else to look inside me at some point in my life and somehow see the greatness that I think is inside of me, but I need somebody to look in my eyes and see it. Talk to me. I need to know that I belong to this tribe of people. I don't feel like I belong. I feel like I'm not really in any family. I'm kind of alone. You know, how, you know, you know it's possible to sit in a huge crowd like this and feel really alone. A lot of you are just lonely. You just wish somebody really loved you for who you are, not for what you're pretending to be. Because nobody likes to be a poser. Nobody wants to pretend, do we? See, I want you to, I don't want to pose up here in front of you. I don't want to pretend to be super pastor in front of you. I want you to love me for who I am. I want to love you for who you are, not for what you're pretending to be. I want to discover the greatness inside of you and call it out. That's what dads do to orphans. You understand what I'm saying today? Are you with me? All right, here's the second group, and this is the most common group of people in the church today. And they're called slaves. See, slaves, slaves are people that really think they're in the group. They believe they belong, but the reason they belong in the group is because they can do something. Slaves are always desiring, needing, desperately needing the attention of dad. They, they are all about what they do. When I'm around people who are slaves, when I have conversations just hanging out in the foyer or hanging out around here, well, I know a slave because all they want to talk about is what they've done, what they're doing. When I'm around orphans, all the, they don't really know what, who they are. They don't know what to do. They don't even feel like they belong. But when you're around slaves, all they want to talk about is what they've done, what they're doing for God. Not who they're becoming. They want to tell you what they're doing. Because they are convinced that their righteousness, their place with God, is solely dependent on what they have done. What they're doing. Slaves are convinced that if they don't do stuff, that they'll lose their place in the family. That they'll be demoted even. That they'll be ignored. That they, so you have to be the most passionate worshiper in the youth group because you want the attention. And if you're not the most passionate, if you're not at every meeting, if you're not doing everything, then somehow you're going to get demoted and pushed aside. So it becomes this performance. It becomes all about performing in front of people, posing in front of people, doing stuff for the attention of what you're doing, not what you're becoming. And I meet a lot of slaves. You see, this is what happens. Slaves believe that God's mad because they've sinned. Slaves believe because they have failed God that God's mad. And the only way to get make God glad is to do something for God. See, I know in this crowd, some of you are saying, Pastor Brady, I can't be a son or a daughter anymore because I've lost my virginity. I, I'm... I'm I, I am so hooked on porn, I can't get off 
there's something messed up inside of me. I am damaged goods. I, I, I can't ever be as pure as, as the person Pastor David is describing. I can't ever take that vow of desperation because I've messed up too bad. And see, this is what was happening in the heart of this prodigal son as he was walking back to his dad. What was happening in this, his heart was, I have messed up so badly. I have, I was so, such an arrogant fool that when I went to my dad and said, you're not dying fast enough, give me money. And then when he gave me this huge amount of money, now I went and squandered it. I'm poor. I have nothing to show for it. And now I'm embarrassed and ashamed. And I got to go back in front of my dad and say, dad, you know, that huge amount of money you gave me, I I spent it all. And dad, you know what happened? I ended up in a pig pen and dad, here I am broken. I'm damaged goods. Make me a slave. I'll do things for you the rest of my life. I just hope you're not going to be mad at me the rest of my life. See, this is slaves. Slaves believe that God's always mad. That God always needs me to do something to impress him so I'll be back in his good favor. And listen, I believe in doing stuff. I believe it. I mean, we got to do stuff. Light up the world requires us to go and and to take care of widows, orphans, and the poor. But that's not who we are. That's not who I am. I don't do it because I want to make God glad. I do it because it's who I am. It's it's because I want to do what God's called me to do. Not to get him happy at me again. To love me again. It's what slaves are about. And, And see, slaves want... The constant attention are dad, and, and when the spotlight's not on them, they become jealous of other people when the spotlight's on them. You see, this is what was happening. If you read the rest of the story, the older son in this story was really upset because the younger son came home, and they threw a big party for the younger son. So the spotlight is on the younger son, and it says at the end of the story that the older son would not even come into the house to even acknowledge that his younger brother had come home. He wouldn't even come in and eat the barbecue. He wouldn't even come in and be a part of the party. You know why? Because the spotlight was not on him. He was a slave. And so he was mad, upset. Let me tell you the third group. This is the best group. The third group I call sons. Now I'm talking that in a male term, but I'm saying sons and daughters. Orphans. Slaves, sons and daughters. Let me tell you, let me tell you about sons and daughters. I, I'm one. I'm a son. I've discovered this. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you the moment I got free from the things that were corrupting my heart. The moment I got free was when I discovered I was a son. And, and so some of you are, are wrestling with the same stuff. You're, this lust problem, this problem with anger or whatever it is that's keeps corrupting your heart and you're and you're crying out oh god set me free i don't want to be like this i don't want to act like this i know you've got something for me let me tell you a story i was i was about 23 or 4 and i was a youth pastor at a big church and i was completely hooked on porn here i was standing in front of groups like this telling people to go after god chase god And yet at night at home, when no one was watching, I was completely hooked on it. You probably don't remember this. That was back in the day when computers were like huge, big. And the screens were like that big, but the computer was huge. And it was dial-up. Remember, can anybody know the dial-up noise when you dial-up? 
So those dial-up noise. Y'all, y'all missed all that. It's, it's greatness. I actually have to make it my ringtone on my phone. Remember the days of dial-up. I remember sitting at home by myself when no one's watching, looking at that stuff, feeling corrupt inside, feeling embarrassed, ashamed. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I thought if I told somebody, I'd, I'd lose it all and probably get fired. I'd have to look my family in the eye, tell them the truth. I didn't want to do that. But I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing either. I was stuck. You ever been stuck? Nobody to tell, but you didn't want to, you don't want to keep doing it, but there was nobody to tell. And I remember one night, everybody's gone from the house. I was a young married guy. Pam was gone somewhere. There's that computer over there calling me, luring me in. I remember pulling up this website. And the moment it popped on the screen, I I felt this gentle whisper of God. And he said, Brady, it's not who you are. Hey, Brady, that's not who I created you to be. It wasn't a rebuke. It wasn't the voice of an angry God. It was the voice of a dad talking to a son. He said, hey, Brady, I got something better for you. Hey, Brady, you're my son. It's not who you are. I remember clicking off the computer. Something inside of me broke right there. See, I've got some good news for you tonight, this morning. I've got some good news later tonight, too, but this morning, that's not who you are. It's not who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter. See, sons and daughters, they get to enjoy all the benefits of the family. Sons and daughters get to enjoy the land of dad. They, they have responsibilities. Sons and daughters have responsibilities. They have things that they should be doing. But they don't do it in order to stay in the family. They do it out of love and loyalty to the family because it's their responsibility. They, are, they have discovered that dad is not going to disown them. They have discovered that dad is always going to come back to them. Now, listen. God will discipline us. But God will never punish us. And there's a big difference. It's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's God who comes and brings discipline. Abram and Callie are 10 and 8, so they're learning to make up their bed every day and do other things. You know, they take out the trash. They have responsibilities. And so when they don't do those responsibilities, Dad does discipline them, but Dad doesn't come in and punish them. You understand the difference? It's not punishment. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm disciplining them. I'm trying to train them. I'm trying to help them become responsible and take on duties at home because that's what adulthood's about. And so I'm training them, but I'm not punishing them. I'm loving them. I am firm with them. There are boundaries at our house, but I'm not punishing them. I'm disciplining them. And this is the idea. If you're a son and a daughter, you want to be disciplined. You've discovered that God will not let you go down the path. He will discipline you, but God's not here to punish you. See, some of you 
Some of you have had bad things happen to you after you sinned and you thought that was the punishment of God. Let me just tell you something. That's not true. God's not a punisher. God's a dad who disciplines. I hope this morning, throughout this weekend, you begin to ask yourself these two questions. What's, what's really true about God? Is he a dad that loves me and cares for me? Is he a God that's easy to approach even when I've kind of messed up? Am I a son and a daughter that's really getting enjoy to the land of dad? Am I free to make some mistakes knowing that God is not going to disown me or punish me? He will discipline me, but he's not going to punish me. Sons and daughters. What a fascinating idea that God calls us sons and daughters. That he set us free from being orphans and slaves. That we were once slaves to sins and and now he made us friends, sons and daughters. Abram, uh, not long ago, I was putting him to bed, you know. And he's still young enough where he likes dad to put him to bed and pray for him tell him stories. He's kind of growing out of it. I'm kind of sad about that, but he still likes that, you know, right now. So I'm putting him to bed one night. I don't know, you know, we had to, not long ago, we told him they were adopted, you know, and, you know, and so we set him down, told him about being adopted and told him how special they were and how much of a miracle they were that God brought them into our lives. And that they, you know, they had another mother, uh, another dad somewhere, but that they were a part of our family and told them the story as much as we could tell them at this age, you know, about their being adopted. And so they had, they had a lot of questions, you know, they were asking questions about their other mom and their other dad and they were asking some questions, but they were pretty settled about it, you know, not didn't upset them too bad and they really haven't even talked about it that much since we told them. So one night, not long ago, I'm putting Abram to bed and you know, he's there and praying for him. And I'm walking out of the room and Abram goes, hey, dad. I said, yeah, Abram. He said, hey, thanks for adopting me. <laughs> and I said, um, you bet, Abram. Why, why, why did you say that? He goes, well, dad, I was, I've been thinking a lot that if you hadn't adopted me, we wouldn't be buddies. I said, probably right, I wouldn't know you. He goes, but you adopted me, Dad, and we're buddies, so thanks. So I walk out, you know, to the room, and I'm not a big crier, but, you know, that kind of messed me up. And um, so I'm sitting going, wow, man, what, is, what was that? You know, I'm out in the hallway trying to, I don't want to walk in, Pam see me crying, you know, and you know, so I'm sitting out in the hall, and I'm, what was that? What's going on in his little heart? Something, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is there something going on in, in Abram's heart that I need to know about? Is there something that, that you're trying to tell me? Is there a hurt or a wound or some kind of thing, spiritual thing going on? And he said, uh, here's what I heard the Lord say, really. He said, hey, Brady, that was for you. Because if I had not adopted you, we wouldn't be buddies either. Listen, I got good news for you. There may be some of you in this room that never really 
seriously said yes to Jesus? There may be some of you that are kind of living for yourself right now and you're enjoying life maybe and just kind of Jesus is something that you're talk about but maybe you've never really said yes to him and really given your life to him and you're going to get lots of chances this weekend to say yes to Jesus. A lot of you have said yes to Jesus and you meant it. You were serious. But you still wrestled in your heart of whether or not you're really a son and a daughter. And you're still wrestling with who you are and where you're going or maybe everything you do is about performing and doing stuff for God not knowing if he's really pleased with you or not. You, you're a slave. But I got good news for you today. This is a real simple message this morning. He adopted you and your buddies. Your son. Your daughter. And that will never change. Abram and Callie were adopted into my home. They're my son. She's my daughter. And they're going to have days when they don't behave well. When they need discipline. But you know what? They're my son. He's my son. She's my daughter. And that'll never change. We're always going to be buddies. And that'll never change. Can I pray for you this morning? Would you close your eyes with me? And I'm going to ask you a really personal question. And I want you to be honest with me. I've been very transparent with you this morning because I want you to be honest back with me and to God, not just with me. I'm, in fact, I'm less important. I want you to be very honest with God this morning. Are you an orphan? Hey, I want all the orphans, if you think that you're wandering through life right now, I want you, if you see yourself as an orphan, I want you to look at me. Look at me, okay? You belong. You belong to this family, to this tribe. There's a place for you here at the table. Look at me, okay? I see the greatness inside of you. I see it. I'm calling it out of you today. No more wondering. No more loneliness. Those days are over. You are no orphan. You're a, a son. You're a daughter. I want all of you that, you, when I was speaking, you... There's some of you who realize you've been living like a slave, trying to do something for God, trying to perform, hoping that he is watching you. All, all of you look at me. If you, if you do that, I want you to look at me right now. God loves what you do. He really does. He's proud of what you do. But he is more proud of who you're becoming. You do not have to perform to get his attention anymore. His eyes are on you always. You are in the palm of his hand and that'll never change. Do good things. Do good work. But don't do it for the wrong reason anymore. Sons and daughters. Those are the people that are living free lives. Sons and daughters are the ones who are living lives of grace. They've discovered it. They love it. They've discovered the joys of dad. And here's the good news this morning. It says at the end of that story that the son ran, that the father ran to the son. God is in pursuit of you this morning. He wants your heart. 
And while you are still a long way off this morning, God is running toward you. And when he gets to you, he's not as interested in your bad behavior. He's interested in an embrace, a hug. That's what God's offering today. Some of you need to know that. This is a big reality, a big truth that you need to discover about God today. He's not mad at you. Not upset. Can I pray for you right now? I want you to stand all over the room. Just stand up with me right now. I want you to say, Pastor Brady, by, by lifting your hand, right, say, say, Pastor Brady, I am I'm a son. Just say it. Pastor Brady, I know I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm accepted. I, I'm, I'm on a, a, a mission this morning of discovering who I am. I see the greatness inside of me. I think there's something great. There's something extraordinary inside of me. God sees it. God's calling it out of you. Father, we just thank you today. We receive your grace today, your mercy. Lord, I thank you today that when you adopted us into your family, Lord, we became friends of God, where we became sons and daughters. Today, we we receive your embrace. Lord, we run to you, and Lord, you're running to us. Lord, let us be captured by your love today. Let us be consumed by your mercy today. Let us be overwhelmed today by your grace. Fill us today with your Holy Spirit. Lord, do something deep in us. Lord, we don't want a surface experience. We don't want, Lord, to pose anymore. Lord, we come to you raw. Open our hearts. Open to you this morning. Fill us with your power, with your presence. Let us be sons and daughters that light up the world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.